Welcome to Mosaic Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Mosaic Church, Leeds, based in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information on Mosaic Church, please visit mosaic-church.org.uk. Thank you for listening. Ended. Um, so, so my name's Chris, I'm married to Lisa. Um, Lisa actually has a prophetic word for you this morning, but Lisa's not here, so I'm going to share it in just a little bit. Um, Lisa is at the Oak with uh, three of our kids. Uh, Anya, who's our fourth, is here. So she's enjoying the kids' work, and uh, I'm expecting great things. So, no, no pressure. Um, and uh, so, uh, so I, get, I guess it's not a morning off, it's a, it's a morning away to learn and to be encouraged here. So I'm quite ex- excited about that. Um, I'm often misunderstood. Uh, I've often been misunderstood. It's okay, you don't, you don't have to, because I imagine you have too. Um, uh, the, the, the thing is, is the whole world isn't made up of me's, and because it's not made up of me's, then everyone misunderstands me, and that's kind of how it works, isn't it? Um, I'm often mis- misunderstood. I grew up with quite a profound stutter. Um, it's quite a brave move, but if, uh, if you've grown up with a stutter or some way of feeling misunderstood... You can raise your hand in your heart or raise your hand with me. There's a, a sense of it where often we, we walk through our childhood or our teenage years with ways that we just can't communicate, things we want to say. One of the ways that my speech and language therapist used to describe it to me was it was like a whole load of stuff in a bottle that you just can't get out because the bottle top just gets small. And so you have like ten words you want to say and none of them will come out. You'll be pleased to know that I was healed of that when I was 18, um, which is tremendous. It also means that I won't be stopping speaking right now. I'll keep going for another little while. Um, but it meant that I was often misunderstood. I think probably the only person who really got me was my mum. She could see all of those things, those little nuances of the ways I was saying, I'm just doing this so that you, you feel sorry for me. And like, this is leading somewhere, I promise. Uh, often misunderstood, and many of you have felt the same. And so I, I want to start this morning by saying, I wonder whether you have ever felt misunderstood. Whether you said something to somebody, and they just, they've heard it in a completely different way. Whether you, the way that you speak, people just don't grasp. You're humor, no one gets. Like, I, I wonder what it is. Yeah, amen, Matt, that's right. Um, uh, people don't really get you. I, I wonder what thoughts come to your mind when I talk this morning of the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit, talk of the breath of God, the third person of the Trinity. We came into land very quickly there. How about God himself or the spirit of Jesus? When we talk about the Holy Spirit, he is possibly the most misunderstood person of the Trinity. So misunderstood. The Holy Spirit is so misunderstood. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three persons, yet one Godhead. Not a, not a three God, kind of, or, or one God with three little random heads poking up. Or a one God with multiple personalities, but, but try three, perfect union, unity, trinity, one God, three persons, mysteriously complicated, unfathomably simple. God in three persons, yet one God. God the Father, we have a vague understanding of parenthood. Most of us have either had uh, earthly fathers or have had father figures in our lives. And though they may have done all sorts of stuff against us or not been quite perfect, we have some understanding of fatherhood. Um, I'm just going to dim my screen because this room is pretty dim. I'm I'm like being blinded by my screen. Um, We have God the Son. Um, we, We have an understanding of children. 
We have many who are part of this congregation. So we have an understanding of children as broken as our understanding is. We can grasp something of what God the Son might be like and what something of the father and son relationship might be like. It's, we, we can't grasp its perfection, but we've, we've got some sense of what might be going on there. We have four Gospels describing the life of Jesus. We've got quite a lot going on. But God the Holy Spirit... Blank. Our, our default is to see the God of the Old Testament kind of as God the Father, and the God of the New Testament as Jesus, and somehow find some fuzzy, blurry place to kind of somehow either skim over or jam in the Holy Spirit in some way. But that completely compartmentalizes God, and it completely, in some ways, puts God into some historical tag team that somehow God the Father was, you know, like creation happened and we read that they were all there, and then suddenly God the Father's in, tag, and then he kind of does, you know, six, seven, eight thousand years, etc., and then tag, Jesus is in. Well, we are, we're either going to have another tag or the Holy Spirit's sitting on the sidelines going, oh, go, go on, guys, doing really well. Or he's just a substitute in case Jesus happens to fall down. Or like, what, what is going on? How do we understand this? It completely compartmentalizes God. It puts, God. it puts the Godhead into some historical box or a divided tag team or a relay race baton passer on it. It's just, what is going on? Well, right at the start of Mark, which is where we're going to go today. So if you have a Bible with you, if you could turn to Mark. Right at the start of Mark, a gospel, a good news, written to help us grasp this cosmic collision of good and evil through the coming of Jesus, the Son of God, sent by God the Father, we find every action orchestrated, overseen, and implemented by the Holy Spirit. That actually the Spirit isn't some third hand, some sitting on the side, some substitute waiting to come in, but is it in fact orchestrating, implementing, and bringing about all that is happening. The Spirit isn't distant, but is right there. He is in the driving seat. He is leading Jesus. He is communicating. The Godhead are all equally engaged in the redemption of mankind. That, As Mark communicates right at the start here, something of the person of Jesus, there is the Father, and there is the Spirit, and there is the Son. That the ministry of Jesus that Mark is wanting to communicate to us is a, tri- is a Trinitarian ministry. The Father is fully engaged, the Son is fully engaged, and the Spirit is fully engaged. The Godhead is not divided and tagging in, but together as one God, creating, sustaining, redeeming, and restoring. Let's read together from Mark's Gospel, uh, starting from verse 9 in chapter 1. We're going to do 9 to 11, it's kind of the precursor, and then we're going to jump into 12 and 15. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you... I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Can we pray together? 
Father, thank you that the gospel of Jesus is wonderful good news, that the kingdom coming is not bad news, but is wonderful good news for all, for the entirety of the universe, for everyone and for everything, that the gospel of Jesus is wonderfully good news. Lord, this morning I pray that we would grasp something of that. Lord, that these scriptures would in some way uh, soak deep down into us sense of good news of who you are. Lord, lead us this morning, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen? It's the Spirit who descends on Jesus at his baptism and facilitates bringing power, bringing life, as we hear clearly the voice of God, the Father affirming his Son. The two kind of come together. My Son, who has just arrived at this big pool and is now being baptized, the Father and the Spirit coming together. We are It's like a show of force. Right at the start of Jesus' ministry, the full Godhead is there. It's the Spirit who sends him, who leads him, in fact, into the wilderness. Leads him into a place away from comfort, away from safety, from the things that he trusts in. It's the Spirit who allows him to be tempted, but who sends angels to care for him, who protects him, holds him, and encourages him. In no way does the Spirit lead him into the wilderness and then go and stand at the other side of the 40 days. Fully engaged. It's the Spirit who, at the right time, allows him to come into public ministry, shaping the coming few years and bringing about the end, the cross, which is only actually the beginning. And it all starts here. The Trinity is in this wonderful union as God comes for the rescue all of time has looked forward to. And it's not a tag team. It's not a tag team. The whole of the Godhead is there. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in perfect union. But God doesn't remain aloof to humanity in this situation. God does not send us and then stand back and see what happens. The person of Jesus is intimately connected to his humanity. He has great needs. And the Spirit tends to his needs constantly and consistently temptation comes but so does blessing pain comes and suffering comes love kindness family friendship encouragement discouragement god is wonderfully sovereign and reigning and also wonderfully in the gutter with all those who he created somehow he holds that tension together that he can walk with jesus in that wonderful moment of where where people are recognizing this is the this is the messiah where john the baptist said there's going to be one who comes before me oh my he's coming over the hill he's coming towards us now i get to baptize him his his sandal, i'm not even worthy to tie his sandals i get to bat- can you imagine the smile on john's face as he gets to baptize jesus This is John, who bounced in the womb as Jesus came near to him when he was in his mother's womb. John has always known that the Messiah is coming. And here they are. John gets to baptize. And Jesus receives a spirit. The the spirit descends on him like a dove. The heavens tear open. This is my son with whom I'm I'm well pleased. And so what should happen is there should be a deleted three verses. Because what should happen is then, and then Jesus went out. And he cast out demons. And miracles happened. And people came in to the kingdom and off we go into Mark but Mark doesn't do that Mark takes us straight into and the spirit led Jesus into the wilderness the same spirit who's there at his baptism in the highest point of encouragement of his entire life God speaking affirmation is there at his most tempted at his most broken at his most 
lost moments. His endurance of the lack of everything, safe and secure. It is the connected God, the intimate God, the wonderfully relational God who through the Spirit walks every trial and every joy, every clearly word spoken, every desert experience walked. Now, I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you feel like your life is all topsy-turvy and all upside down. Maybe your life is going absolutely swimmingly right now, but you have people surrounded in your life who are walking through loss, tragedy, feel like they're in the wilderness. Maybe you feel like you haven't heard from God in a long time. Maybe you've never heard from God this morning. I don't know where you are this morning, but something of this story speaks into your life. The ability for Jesus to walk through the wilderness with the presence of the Spirit, knowing that the Spirit sent him, that he was surrendered to him, and that the Spirit sent him from there into something else, gives us huge encouragement this morning. If you are seeking God, if you're walking through a season where you feel hidden, do not be surprised if it feels hard. There's a hard verse from 2 Timothy for you, hopefully on the screen. There you go, 2 Timothy 3. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. There will be pain, there will be suffering. Walking with God doesn't necessarily mean walking with roses. I mean, unless you got roses this morning, it's my 12th wedding anniversary today. I didn't get roses. But I did remember that Lisa asked for something specific and I did manage to get it. So I, I'm doing well this morning. But life with Jesus isn't, isn't always like sweet-smelling roses. And in fact, Jesus shows us that it's not by him walking through the middle of great temptation and great suffering. So when we walk through the same thing, we can go, he's, he's walked this path already. And when he walked it, the Father and the Spirit weren't absent. Isn't that a really helpful thing to know this morning? If you've walked through or are walking through or can see it coming or are standing with others who are walking through dark and desperate moments, to know that the Father and the Spirit never leave is huge. It really is huge. But do you know what? It's not you. The, the pain and the suffering, the, the hurt that comes, the persecution that comes, it's not you. It's not you. It's Jesus. It's following Jesus walking through trial, difficulty, and temptation is a direct affront to darkness. When you walk through pain and suffering, you are walking into the midst of darkness, which is a direct affront to light. If we were to turn out this room right now, what would the room look like? Dark. Pretty logical. If we were to turn the lights full up in this room, what would the room be? Come on, guys. You can do better than that. If we were to turn the lights up in this room, what would the room be? It would be light. It would be bright light. Darkness and light just don't come together. And so when you walk following Jesus, you are walking as a direct affront to darkness. So Jesus receives this wonderful affirmation from the Father. And he walks into the desert. And it is no wonder that he receives direct attack. Because he is Jesus standing in the face of temptation. Where does Jesus lean in the middle of this persecution, in the middle of this suffering, and in the middle of this pain. Well, he leans into the Holy Spirit. He leans into his Father, into God himself. Now, he's in the wilderness for 40 days. There are other people who were also in the wilderness for 40 days. If you know your Bible, you'll know also Moses on Mount Sinai, the barren mountaintop. Elijah, wandering the wilderness to Mount Horeb. Old Testament history heroes, enduring the wilderness... And encountering God. We know those people because they met God in the midst of great trial and great difficulty. 
But like Elijah and Moses, Jesus didn't win the war against Satan during that 40 days. He won the battle. The war was yet to be finished. Moses didn't win the war against evil when receiving the Ten Commandments. But he won the battle. He got a clear direction of where God was leading them. Elijah didn't win the war with his wilderness wanderings, but he received a commission to go and stand for the kingdom of God's people, winning the battle. And so Jesus, commissioned in his weakness, in the wilderness, under the submission of following the Spirit, was tempted, hurt, abused, walked through the next three or four years in real pain, ending with his death. The battle was won here when he stood and the other gospel writers write that Satan tempted him and offered him the whole of the earth. And Jesus says no. Great temptation. Looking forward to the cross. Now Mark stresses the horror. Mark stresses the loneliness and the danger with which wilderness is fraught. The place in your life where everything seems to be stripped back with all the comforts and the securities taken away. I don't know about you, but I feel like I've walked through a season these last couple of years where I've had lots of material comforts, but many other things just feel like they've been stripped away. It's just been one of those seasons. You know the kind of seasons I'm talking about where it just feels like it wouldn't take much for you to just burst into tears. And I'm aware I may just push that button this morning, and I'm really sorry if I do. But it wouldn't take much for that to happen. You know those seasons. I wonder what it felt like for Jesus in the middle of the desert, having stood with Satan standing next to him, showing him all of these things, how close he was. The scriptures don't tell us, so I'm I'm aware I'm reading into the scriptures here, but the humanity of Jesus, desperately wanting to follow his father, and yet confronted with temptation, sin, pain, and suffering. Jesus isn't some kind of superhuman at this stage who just goes, arm like this. There is an engagement for Jesus. There is the emotional tearing and the saying, I am following my father. You know that moment just before, on, on the night before Jesus dies in the garden and, he's, and he goes before his father, says, is there any other way? Deep emotion, connection. Because if there wasn't, he wouldn't know you, how you feel. When you stand there in the middle of your darkest moments and you say, God, where are you? I need to know you this morning. I've come this morning to church and I just can't see your face. I need to see you. Those moments he knows because he's walked it. I quite like the film The Lion King. And I like the film The Lion King. There's a scene in The Lion King where um, Simba um, and uh, they, they, they go into the elephant's graveyard. Um, and uh, the elephant's graveyard is this, is this scene of kind of darkness, of desolation, of wilderness, this place that isn't in the beauty and the abundance of the kingdom of his father. And so his father says, don't go there. But he finds himself there. So we're just going to watch a, a quick minute of this. Well, 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 Banzai, what have we got here? Hmm, I don't know, Shenzi. Uh, what do you think, Ed? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just what I was thinking. A trio of trespassers. And quite by accident, let me assure you. A simple navigational error. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. I know you. 
You're Mufasa's little stooge. Aye, madam, I'm the king's majordomo. And that would make you... Future king. Do you know what we do to kings who step out of their kingdom? Pugh, you can't do anything to me. Uh, technically they can. We are on their land. But Zazu, you told me they're nothing but slobbering, mangy, stupid poachers. Stay on the Oopin's Day. Who you call Oopin's Day? My, my, my. Oh, look at the sun. It's time to go. What's the hurry? We'd love you to stick around for dinner. Yeah, we could have whatever's lying around. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 I got one, I got one. Make mine a cub sandwich. What you think? <laughs> <laughs> what? And what is it? Hey, did we order this dinner to go? No. Why? Because there it goes! So you just love how kids' films have so much adult humor in them. A cub sandwich? Any, oh no, it's fine. Uh, you know, our understanding of those kind of places are death, aren't they? The, the, of, of pain, of darkness, of desolation. If you keep watching this bit, I mean, it's a horrible scene in the movie. It's the bit where the kids are kind of cowered under their blankets because it's, it's the dark bit. It's the bit where you're like, is he going to make it? Is he not going to make it? What's going to happen? Jesus finds himself in this place. In this place. But Ezekiel... A major prophet 600 years before talks about this place. And he talks about it in this way. He says, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out the spirit of the, by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. Then he said to me, Can you read it out loud? My spirit in you, and you will live. Do you know, the thing about the wilderness moments, the thing about desolation, the thing about the elephant graveyard is they're not places of death when you follow Jesus. That they're actually places of life because the Spirit not only leads into, leads through and leads out. That they aren't, they are dark places, but they aren't dark places, if that makes any sense. This morning, Lisa had a, a, a picture for you guys of, um, uh, could someone just turn to, uh, Hannah, can you turn to Isaiah 60? So show Hannah's knowledge of the Bible. She had a picture of, of a sunrise coming up. And the, sunrise was, sun, the um, sun was the face of Jesus, that his light was shining. And, it, and she saw you guys stood as a group of people in front looking at the face of Jesus. I mean, just that by itself, I'd take that as encouragement. Um, but behind you, what happens when you have a low rising sun is these huge shadows. Yeah, do you know the kind of like, picture it in your mind? If you, if you have the sun rising, you have these long, dark shadows. And so there's darkness there, but there's light right there in front of you. That these, this looks awful and dark and cold, but this is bright and warm and light. And the thing is, is that suns always rise. Amen? Yet the sun rises. And as the sun rises, what happens to the shadows? They disappear, they get smaller and smaller and smaller until the sun is completely overhead and there are no more shadows coming. And uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus, Lisa had in her mind, (laughs) not the same, Um, Lisa had in mind this, Uh, she went to Isaiah chapter 60, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, the kings and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the hip. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. So when we walk through 
those dark moments, when you feel like you're in the wilderness thing, when you are caring for those who are walking through a wilderness thing, we're reminded of the psalmist who writes, lift up your eyes to the hills, to where my help comes from. That somehow, in the midst of this experience, Jesus lifts his head. And as Satan comes, comes beside him and tries to lead him into all sorts of stuff, he sees the light of his father and he walks. God encounters us in the place of wilderness and darkness by his spirit. God himself leading us into, caring through, and leading us out of. The story of God's people is that for a few, the wilderness was a place of encounter, but for most, it was a place of desertion. As we come into the new covenant, it doesn't matter where you are, the light of Jesus shines into your life and through your life. Now, let's be clear what happens here. God is always in the wilderness with you. His presence is not removed. His presence is not removed. The Holy Spirit leads Jesus into and tends him in the wilderness. But it is often our understanding, it is often our question and our doubt that causes us to stop acknowledging his presence. And so lift up your eyes this morning. I do want to encourage you, lift up your eyes. That somehow God the Father is fully present inside your present struggles. That somehow living with trial and difficulty, we've kind of got into our our mind, is something that God doesn't understand, can't grasp, won't know a way through, and can't really help us with. When in fact, it's all the opposite. He fully understands, he fully grasps, he fully knows, and he fully has a way through. In the other gospel writers, as I said, the, um, they talk of how Jesus is tempted to be given all the nations by Satan. And Jesus, even in his weakness, knows that only God can truly give him the nations, that only God has his best interests in mind, even in the midst of the trial, that only his father has sent help, that only his father has fed and watered him in, in the loneliest of places. And so I speak that to you this morning, that your father in heaven walks with you, leads you, carries you, provides for you through the midst of whatever it is that you're facing right now. Whether you're standing with somebody and you're in a great place, but you're standing with somebody, or whether you feel like you're walking through that right now. I wonder what lies have been sown in the wilderness time where you felt that maybe God wasn't there. In the difficulty, in the trial, in the moments of depression or the seasons of doubt that mean that we cease to recognize God at work. Maybe things like, God, God really doesn't love me anymore. I'm not really worth it. I can't hear his voice. I don't really know him. If God were God, then he'd... I've been bad, so God keeps me here. I don't understand him. I don't understand why. And we listen to those things, and they, they, they orchestrate what's going on with regards to God the Father. And in fact, what happens in the wilderness for Jesus is as Satan brings him and shows him all the stuff he could see... He's reminded of who he is. He's the son of God. You, this morning, are a child of God. Whatever the question, the purpose of the trial, the struggle, and the wilderness is not testing. It is not your testing this morning. God is not testing his son in the wilderness, and he's not testing you in yours. God is not scoring your ability to hold on or counting your obediences in the middle of it. 
It is Christ's obedience we stand in, not our own. It is his proof of eligibility that saves us, not our own. It is his journey through and the power he defeated at the cross. That means God, A, understands, leads, and cares for us in the middle, and B, has given the power to walk through and to overcome completely to the end. Do you get those two things? God the Spirit, God, God the Son sends a spirit into our lives that we might A, walk through, but B, come out the other end. Do you know the wonderful thing about seasons is they always end. I mean, winter, uh, summer hasn't really started yet, so spring, we're kind of in an eternal spring, um, which isn't really a bad thing if you like spring, but most of us quite like summer and would like that to happen. The seasons will always end. The thing is, is often we don't know quite how long they're going to last. And so in the middle of them, we can just feel like this is going on and on and on. Our oldest child is seven. She's eight in August. And I feel like I didn't really get a decent night's sleep or I haven't had a good night's sleep for about the last eight years. This is like my eternal, I don't know, what's it called? Uh, night of lack of sleep. And uh, you know, the, uh, respect, respect Matt and Pip and, and others who have got older children. I'm sure you've walked that longer. I'm, I'm looking forward to the day when they sleep longer than me and I can sleep on again. That would be nice if that happens. But maybe for you this morning, you're just asking, you know, this is just a really long season. I don't know when this season finishes. This, this feels really hard. We're walking with a whole group of people. We realized probably a couple of months ago that, that in our congregation at the Oak, probably somewhere between, I don't know, 30 and 60% of our church are walking through, in some way, areas of mental difficulty. The reality is, so are you. Because we are all walking through all sorts of great difficulty And the questions which we ask in the middle of them is, when will this end? How do I get out of this? How does this change? Can this even change? And and as we keep asking the questions, we get to the place where we actually end up going, it just can't change. This is it now. And so I want to speak to you this morning, I guess, to say, one, God walks with you in it, however long it is. Two, he has plans for you in the middle of it. And three, that all seasons finish. Uh, William Lane uh, writes this, he writes, Jesus says obedience to God is affirmed and sustained in the wilderness, the precise place where Israel's rebellion had brought death and alienation in order that the new Israel of God, the new people of God may be, may be formed anew. That actually Jesus walks through the wilderness, so as we walk through, we walk through being formed anew this morning. The point of the wilderness is encountering God, is leaning on God, is trusting in God. That is the point, following God. It is in surrender that we find him to be the closest. So I want to encourage you this morning, in your place of weakness, to surrender. Now I know that feels like that's that's a really hard thing to do when you're clinging on to just one last little thing. Actually to lay that down and to surrender. Say, God, I I can't walk this without you. I need you to lead me. It's not that God removes the nice things and gives you bad things so that you'd have to trust him, abusing your trust, but it's that in the middle of the battle between light and dark, between good and evil, there is your life. And God is desperately wanting to encounter you in the middle of all of it. 
desperately reaching in by the Spirit to comfort those who mourn, to grieve with those in the city of God, to tenderly comfort his son, having just received such affirmation. And so this morning, God speaks that to you. You're my children with whom I am well pleased. You face right now a whole bunch of stuff, and yet I not only led you into it, I am walking with you through it and will lead you out of it. Because you are my children with whom I am well pleased. It's kind of sandwiched. So I want to speak that to you this morning. Because you are my children with whom I am well pleased. The place of wilderness is a place of encountering God through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Of knowing his leading. Of encountering him in that place. So this morning, maybe we could pray together in a a few minutes and, and if you are feeling like you haven't encountered God in a while, if you're feeling like you've tried or, to be honest, you've just given up, maybe this morning we could pray together and we could walk that through, of knowing his leading, of encountering him in the tears and in the sighs. Do you know, I'm, I've just taken up running. I'm not very good at it. Um, I hate running in the, in the rain. Uh, I have a friend who runs in the rain, and one of the reasons why they run in the rain is because then they can cry in the rain and no one notices. It's, it, I mean, yes, yeah, ah, but it's ideal. So if you run and you just need to cry, there's a good one for you. But finding opportunities, opportunities to, to cry and to let the tears flow so that then you can worship is just a really helpful thing. The second thing is that the, the wilderness is a place of surrender to God through the leading of the Spirit, of leaning into him, of knowing his ability to hold you even if you feel unholdable, of surrender to his leadership, his plans and his purposes. And lastly, The wilderness is also a place of the mission of God, that somehow you are not excluded from the mission of God because you are walking through trial. But in fact, your life is a huge declaration of the kingdom of God as you walk through it. Even with your tears and your sobbings and those moments when you get to the school gate and the mum who doesn't know Jesus says, how are you doing? And you say, and everything comes out. Even in that moment, even in that moment, you are bringing about the kingdom of God little by little by little by little by little by little by little. Because the kingdom of God is not a place of smiles and happiness. It's a place of deep joy in the midst of great trial that will come about to be wonderfully perfect. The Holy Spirit sends Jesus into mission, both in the middle to declare what the kingdom of God is and at the end as he leads him into the wonderful climax of Mark and all the stuff that happens. Can we stand together? We're going to sing we're going to worship but the picture i had in my mind this morning as we were coming in was of a picture of a really nice house um you could put your house or someone else's house that's quite nice there and just think and the house is a picture of your life and there are situations in our life that happen or maybe you're standing next to somebody whose house it just feels like to be honest the solid ground has become a little bit wobbly It might be a circumstance, it might be a trial, it might be a difficulty. I don't know what's going on, but it just feels like, to be honest, there's a whole corner of your house that feels like it's slipping a little bit. Well, there's a a building uh, thing called underpinning. And you dig a hole and you insert a mass load of concrete into the corner of a house to re-establish it on solid ground. And I felt this morning God wanting to lead a few of us this morning in adding new concrete into an area of our house that is slightly slipping. Not to take away the house that is there or to suddenly go, and here's a brand new house. But to say, I see what you're walking through 
let me bring some strength to the situation that you're walking through. That you need to know this morning that the Spirit of God didn't just lead you in here and is waiting at the end for you to come out, but is walking with you. And that as a whole church, as you walk through this season, God is not just waiting at the end of this season, but is fully in it, undergirding you, underpinning, re-establishing, bringing great strength to weak corners in order that the whole house might be strong. Jesus talks of a parable of a house built on sand and a, built on, and a house built on rock. But sometimes it does feel like areas of our life just shake a little. And this morning, the Spirit is wanting to bring solidity, security, safety to you and to your house. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are ever-present. We thank you that you do not leave. You do not walk away. We thank you that you have sent your spirit. Amen. Thank you that you have sent your spirit not to wait at the finish line, but to grab hold of our hands and to walk with us through the midst of the joys and the trials of the incredible elational moments and of the real tough, teary moments. And so, Lord, we come before you this morning. We thank you that you walk with us. We thank you that you are our God. We thank you that as we bring the light of the gospel, Lord, into this area of Leeds, that we bring it not with just great fake smiles, but we bring it through tears. We we bring it, Lord, through transformed lives. We bring it through us recognizing that it's your spirit that leads us, that carries us, that sustains us, and leads us out. So, Lord, we lean into you this morning. We lean into you this morning. 